Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is gonna be fresh, it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be powerful. It's gonna help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's gonna put faith on the inside of you. It's gonna cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word, God bless you. Oh, praise God. All right, well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Judges. And it's wonderful to have our, some of our dearest friends on planet Earth all the way from Dudley, which is right near Birmingham in England. And three of my favorite people, Pastor Mark, beautiful Pastor Caleb and Pastor Gillian Burchell. One more time, can we give these guys a great welcome? They got in last night. They're not even jet lagged a bit. It's just so great to have them here. So the title of my message tonight is Break Every Chain. Break Every Chain. Break Every Chain. If you want to know what is God's will for your life, it is to break every chain. To break every chain. You don't have to coexist. You don't have to partner with anything from the evil one. Don't have to. One of the most beautiful things about the, the Bible is, is, is the, the, the Bible doesn't just uh, imprint God. God is all the way through the Scriptures and it, it captures Him and it's the Word of God. But the Bible captures greater than anything else humanity. Humanity's struggle with sin. And at the same time, humanity, humanity's uh, battle against evil. So a lot of people see that, you know, even right now we are on a campaign to dethrone Nathan Fletcher and his Jezebel wife from office. Like we're going to pull them down. And, and people say, oh, you know, you must be far right. Are you? And it's, no, it's not right or left. It's good and evil. And we've just to- chosen to be on the side of good. We've chosen to be on the side of good. And it's really easy. How do you know which one's good and then which one's evil? Whichever side God is on. Because the Bible says it's impossible for God to do evil. So God is always on the side of good. So if you're on the side of God and His Word, you'll be on the side of good. And just let me tell you, you want to be on the side of good because good wins. I'm not sure about you, but I read the back of the book. Spoiler alert, good wins. Good triumphs over evil. Evil gets crushed. Evil gets a whooping. Evil gets a whooping. Amen. All right, Judges chapter 11. Uh, It says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers, and he dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. Now go down to verse 5. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander that we might fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? 
And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, that is why we have turned again to you now that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now go down to uh, verse 29. We're going to read just from verse 29 to 37. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of Gilead and from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. Verse 30 is one you want to underline. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. And he said, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it shall be that whatever comes out of my doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the battle from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands, and he defeated them from Aroah uh, as far as Minneth, 20 cities, and to Abel Keramim with a very great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Verse 34, when Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. And she was his only child. Everyone say only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. For I've given my word to the Lord and I cannot go back on it. So she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. Verse 37. Then she said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months that I may go and wander on the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I. And he said to her, go. And she did so. It's a a beautiful story, a powerful story, a tragic story, but a very, very real story. And so I've got four points tonight. And I want you to know nobody's going to leave here the same way you came in. I, I felt I've preached on Jephthah before, maybe even one time at, at East Campus. I feel anyway, but the, 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 the thoughts that I have tonight that it came from the Holy Ghost is, uh, is really going to help us. So point number one is injustice flows from wickedness. Injustice flows from wickedness. Uh, This is very important that you capture this. Sin came into the world through man. Sin came into the world through Adam. When Adam was given a directive not to eat the fruit from the tree, he ended up eating the fruit from the tree. And sin came into the world. But I need you to understand that that, uh, pretty much all of the churches that went woke, and wokeness always leads to weakness, went woke and weak because they, they departed from uh, what I would say is biblical theology around the source of wickedness and evil. Wickedness and evil did not come into the world through man. Wickedness and evil came into the world through an angel who rebelled in heaven and was cast into the earth. And with his tail swept one third of the angels and they rebelled with him. 
Jesus often refers to the, Satan as the evil one. It's interchangeable. He'll either call him the devil, call him Satan, or refer to him as the evil one. In other words, locating his source. So let me just say this. We love the sinner, but we resist evil. We, we have compassion to the sinner, but nowhere in the Bible do you find Jesus having compassion for evil, having compassion for wickedness. In fact, the Bible makes it very, very clear that we are to resist evil, that we are to overcome evil, that we are to drive out and cast out evil. Jesus cast out demons, drove out demons. We, we don't make friends with, with demons. We don't tolerate e demons. Tolerance is a big sticker. See cars. We don't coexist with evil. Evil wants to coexist, but it's not satisfied with coexisting. It wants to coexist so you don't cast it out. And then while you're asleep, it'll dominate you. While you're asleep, it'll, it'll, it'll torment you. So I need you to understand that, that, that sin is in the world, but there's also wickedness in this, in this world. And it's very interesting that, that in this story, Jephthah is, is Gilead's firstborn, firstborn son. As a firstborn, the firstborn son is, is known as, in, in Hebrew, the strength of the father. And not only is he the strength of the father, he becomes the spokesman for the father, but he also becomes the inheritor of half of the estate. The rest of the estate is distributed amongst the other brothers. Well, the other brothers get very, very jealous and very envious of Jephthah, and that they, they become very, very uh, nasty because Jephthah has a different mama to their mama. So they say to Jephthah, because you're the son of a harlot, because you're the son of a hooker, you have no inheritance among us. And they drove him out. It's very interesting that, that Gilead is silent. Nothing silences men more than shame. Shame is the great silencer. When a man has shame over his sins, he, he struggles to correct his children because shame is a silence. A shame removes voice. David, because of his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, when th that, that sexual immorality hit his own home with his, one of his sons, Ammon, going in and raping his, his daughter, Tamar, David said nothing. Why would he say nothing? Because he was so under shame and the shame had taken away his voice. I want you to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die on the cross fully clothed. He, God gave himself over where they stripped him naked. They beat him. They put a crown of thorns in his head and they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they crucified him between two thieves in a public setting on the side of the road so that passers-by wag their heads. It doesn't get any more shameful, but the Bible says while he was thirsty, a centurion went and got a, 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 a stick with a sponge on the end of it and dipped it in wine vinegar and offered it to Jesus and he refused to drink it. It's because the sponge on the stick is used by the slaves when the Romans go to the latrines, the slaves wipe their bottoms when they're finished. And the Roman soldiers were saying, are oh, you thirsty? Here, have some feces laden 
and they offer and Jesus refused. The, the, the shame that Jesus went through. Now you need to understand on the cross, Jesus was the substitute. Jesus was rejected on the cross so that you through Christ will never face being rejected from God. When God turned his back and said, and Jesus cried out and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus became sin and made an exchange so that you become the righteousness of God. You don't have to live with shame. You don't have to live with remorse. You don't have to give, live with guilt, with condemnation because of what Jesus did on the cross. He broke its power. He broke its power. Let me just go one step further. The spirit of this world is a wicked spirit because Jephthah had no say in how he arrived. Je 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 Jephthah had no say who his papa was, who his mama was, his hair color, his eye color, his skin color, his height. He, he, had, he had no say. You and I had no say how we come into the world. And yet there's a spirit in this world that, that is so wicked, it puts the burden, it puts, it, it puts a burden you and I were never meant to carry on us. It puts a burden on Jephthah saying, you're the son of a harlot. You're the son of a shameful liaison. Therefore, you are disqualified from any inheritance. You were born the wrong way. You were born from the wrong liaison. You were born from the wrong union. You were born from the wrong woman. You were, the, you were born on the wrong side of the tracks. You were born the wrong body. You were born the wrong skin color. You were born. The, 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 that's the spirit of this age. The spirit of this age, whether it's white privilege or whether you are dark skin, the, the, the oppression and the wickedness that there's something wrong with you, that is a wicked, evil spirit. And I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus died to break the power of that spirit. If you don't believe me, have a look, have a read. When Jesus was carrying the cross, the, the Bible says there was a man by the name of Simon who was a Cyrenian. The Cyrenians had dark skin. And when the Romans saw Jesus stumble with his cross, they grabbed this man because they had them as slaves and they forced him to carry the cross. But what's interesting is Simon... The Cyrenian had two sons. Both of those sons are found in the book of Acts. Both of those sons became incredibly powerful ministers of the gospel. So I'm telling you, whatever the devil tries to force you, because he was forced to carry the cross because of prejudice, because of, of, of a racial intolerance from the Romans, because he was forced to carry the cross, a blessing came on his kids. A, a, a mighty anointing came upon his kids. God is the God that restores everything through the cross. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on, somebody say. Breaks every chain. Breaks every chain. So he, he's driven out. And I can't help but feel the, the father failure. The, the, the brothers, the brothers are driving. Where's dad? Where's dad's voice? So he's driven out. The next thing it says that, that when he is driven out, he goes to the land of Tob, T-O-B. In Hebrew, it's pronounced Tov. The B is a V. Tov. Tov in Hebrew means good. So in, when you're, in Israel, you say broketov, which sounds like a broken toe, but it's good morning. <laughs> good morning, broketov. Or uh, liletov is good, good night. And, uh, but tov is good. Hinematov is you are good. And so he goes to a good land. But the Bible says when he gets to the good land, that worthless men 
banded around him. How many people know that you can change your hairstyle, you can change your hair color, you can change your clothing, you can change your career, you can change your job, you can change your zip code, you can change your city, you can change your suburb, you can even change your spouse. But at the end of the day, point number two, there is a law of attraction that is working that you will always attract to you, not what you want, but who you are. uh, Jephthah goes to a good land. He got a good job. He got a good home. He got a good. But when he's there, because he felt so worthless, his father's affirmation was lacking. His father's defense, his father's voice, his father's validation, his father's rebuke of the brothers that should have been there were not there. And because of the silence of his father, he comes into agreement, into alignment with his brother's words. And so he believes that he's not worthy to stay, that he has no inheritance. He feels worthless. He doesn't feel that he is worthy of the the estate. So he goes out and he attracts to him worthless men. This, this is a, a law that is at work in our lives. I know there was the thing called the secret where, you know, you just ask the universe to send you and whatever you ask the universe, it'll send you. It's called the law of attraction. But you need to understand there is a law of attraction, but you don't get what you desire. You get who you are. That's why Christianity is, is, is supersedes every other religion and every other faith because every other faith is powerless to transform who you are. Islam can only enslave me. That's what Islam means. It means to to be dominated. And it can only enslave me and force me to dress a certain way. Five times a day, I face East, I face Mecca, and I, and I, and I bow in prayer. It, all it does is, is it changes my behaviors, but it doesn't change my heart. So I'm still attracting the same things. Whether I become a Hindu or a Buddhist is irrelevant. The, the, all of those can do is bring conformity. I conform to a religion and its tenets and its ideals, except for Christianity. Christianity, Nicodemus, from the high council, comes to Jesus at night. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a man be born again, he can't enter the kingdom. And he says, how can a man be born again when he's old? Surely he can't go into his mother's womb and come out again. And Jesus said, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you not only can you not enter, but you won't even see the kingdom of God. The first time you were born, the waters broke. The first time you're born, you're born of water, but we're born with a sinful nature. That's why baptism is so powerful, because we go through the waters to say, hey, in this life, I'm going to serve you. In this life, I'm going to follow you. But the Bible says that when you're born of the Spirit, you're born again. When you're born of the Spirit, you're born again. When you are born again, literally the Word of God, you receive Jesus. You receive the Word of God into your heart. When you receive the Word of God into your heart, it begins to change your DNA. You are instantly born again. It begins to change your identity. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So on the inside of you, there's a duality, but there's a Christ nature on the inside of you. There's a Christ nature on the inside of you. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is good. And in the law of attraction, it's amazing that when you become a Christian, Now listen, you will also attract some of the devil. 
He's going to come after you. He wants to extinguish the light. He wants to extinguish the flame. He wants to extinguish the joy. But you've got authority over the enemy. But all of a sudden, now that you're born again, guess what? Everything's about to change. And here's what I discovered. When I became a Christian, the law of attraction, I realized there was stuff from my past. Jesus has given me victory over, but I got to cut it off. I got to get rid of it. I got to unshackle myself. Somebody say amen. How many people here have ever heard of the great escape artist, Harry Houdini? Harry Houdini could, you know, he could dislocate his his shoulders. He would swallow a hairpin and and then bring it up and and he would, he could pick locks. He was a brilliant uh, uh, locksmith. He could could pick locks, any lock he could pick it. They would put him in a straight jacket, submerge him in water. He could hold his breath for up to five minutes. He would spit out the thing and he would, and get out of, he was incredible. But there was one day, one day, you can read about it in in your history books. There was one day where he tried for six hours. They put him in a cell and for six hours he tried to pick the lock, pick the lock, pick the lock. They put him in and he got out of the straitjacket, got the hairpin and he was in there for six hours. And finally he said, I can't pick the lock. And the sheriff came and went, it was already unlocked. They intentionally left it unlocked and he was waiting for that click. When the great Harry Houdini sat in a cell thinking, I cannot get out of this cell. You've got me. And the cell was open the whole time. That's how so many Christians live. They don't realize Jesus has broken every chain, loosed every cord, smashed every yoke busted open every prison door. Why do you sit in anxiety, depression, hopelessness, fear, addiction? Get up, push the door open. Somebody say amen. The third one, the third one, point number three. So number one, injustice flows from wickedness. Number two, the law of attraction. Number three is trauma impairs judgment. Trauma impairs judgment. Let me just explain. They make, him, they make him their ruler to go into battle against the Ammonites. And so Jephthah, as, as he begins to, to rally the people from uh, Manasseh and Gilead, when, as they begin to rally around him, he, he gets up and, and he sees the enemy coming before him. And so Jephthah makes a vow. He makes a vow to the Lord. He says, God, if you give me victory over these Ammonites, whatever comes out of my house first. Maybe he's, maybe he's thinking his wife's cat. I was going to come out and he's thinking, you know, I could sacrifice her cat. Jesse said that he likes cats. He said, he, he, I said, you, you like cats? He says, I like cat. They taste like chicken. And uh, I can't believe he would say that. I felt like he crossed the line a little bit there. Anyway, so anyway, so bad joke. Maybe he thought, you know, a dog or one of the pets or, or a goat or something would come out of the house. But it's interesting because if, if you know anything of, of the story of Jephthah, everyone talks about the, the, the rash vow and the foolish vow. The reason he made the rash vow goes all the way back to a, a father that never affirmed. Because here he is, and he can't leave it to chance, but he's never been qualified. He's never been validated. So he feels like if my earthly father, which is the first representation of God, he... An earthly father is the first depiction of God in a human being's life. And if that is dysfunctional, 
when you come to God, God has to do a lot of healing to get you to see Him differently. Jesus said, if you fathers, your son asks for bread, which one of you would give him a stone? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father? So Jesus compares the two. And so Jephthah makes a vow. And the reason he makes a vow is because, God, I can't lose this. I can't lose this battle. So he makes, he makes this vow that whatever comes out of my house first, I'm going to sacrifice to you. I'm going to offer it as a burnt offering to you because you've you got to give me victory. It's amazing how many people limp through life feeling like they've got to manipulate, they've got to make vows, they've got to, because they, they were never validated, they were never affirmed by their, their earthly father. And the fourth one, just to tie this all in together, because he wasn't valued in his father's house, because he wasn't valued in his father's house, his father never stood up for him. He didn't value what was in his own house. See, he knew he had a daughter, but he was so smitten by the battle, so smitten by the victory. Maybe he was hoping little Snoopy would come out or little Mittens, the cat, or, you know, Felix, the goat, whatever. Maybe Casper, Casper, the friendly goat. Um, maybe he was hoping that would come out. But, but how reckless, because that same house has your only daughter in it. But because of trauma from the past, it impaired his judgment on what was valuable. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We, we want people to receive Christ and we want you to hear the gospel, the good news and receive Christ. But understand that's the beginning of a fivefold anointing. The second thing is you've got to let Jesus heal your heart because trauma from your past will impair your judgment on what is and isn't valuable. I can't tell you how many people got born again and then they date the same and they go back to the same and they sign up for the same. It's because their heart is still broken. The generational cycles is number four. The generational cycles is what Jesus came to, to break. Because he wasn't valued, he didn't see value in his home. How many people have, how many people have sacrificed their family, their children for the new promotion, the new success, the, 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 the new car, the, the bigger house, the, the great career, I'm putting my career for, and, and they sacrifice what is the most precious. What is, nobody on their deathbed ever said, man, I wish I spent more hours at work. But everybody on their deathbed said, I, I wish I spent more time with the people that love me with the people that were closest to me. Generational cycles. He was the only son of his mother. And he was driven out of the inheritance, driven out into basically poverty. And now he has an only daughter to a mother. And because of generational cycles, because he didn't deal with the generational cycles, he now repeats 
and she, out of a stupid vow, out of a rash vow, is she is driven out and sacrificed and misses out on not only joy and laughter because of a foolish person. I want you to know that this story is in the Bible. It's a story of victory over the Ammonites. And you can have public success. You can be pastor with a great church. But if I don't deal with the trauma of my childhood, with the issues of my past, with generational cycles, I can have victory over the enemy, victory over the Ammonites, but lose those things that are most precious to me. Lose my, ch my children, lose my son, lose my daughter, lose my wife. Come on, how many people know it, it's not worth it? It's not worth it. So I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. And tonight, the good news is there's an anointing here. There's a, a power here. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And nobody needs to leave the same. Yeah, come on. Come on. Why don't we stand to our feet then? I'm going to have the ministry team come forward. We're going to open up the altar. And if one of those hit you, if two of those hit you, if three of those, or if you're like me, all four of those hit me. I want you to come, come forward and let the ministry team come and minister to you. The band's going to sing a song. If you're struggling with, a, with, with an addiction, don't walk out the same way you came in. Let, let me tell you, let me tell you right now what you know what's happening. In a, and I, need, I could have set it up better, but it's, it's all good. The greatest thief... The greatest thief in our life is a thing called pride. Yes. Pride will always think, well, hang on, what will other people think? Pride will even lie to you. No, 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 don't, don't, don't go forward because you're admitting weakness and then you'll lose respect. The Bible says God resists the proud, but He has grace for the humble. I found that I'm the senior pastor of this church, but I'm usually the first one on altar calls because I realize pride has never ever never ever brought me closer to God has always ripped me off what God wanted to do but humility when I humble myself God's power has come again and again and again to deliver me my um, my wife and I 2020 could not could not stop kind of fighting there, there was there's this one issue and we went out and we're having an argument and I, I kind of raised my voice in a public setting and then she just shut down and she says see you're doing it again I'm like well you started the argument she goes no no it's not about the argument she goes you dishonor me I'm like how do I dishonor you Look at the house you live in, the car you drive. You've always got... And she's like, I'm not talking about that. And she's crying. She was for real. And Pastor Mark, honestly, I, could, I couldn't see it. I'm like, Leanne, you know, you may need to go to a shrink because I don't see it. So she says, just do this. Just do this. Will you talk to Pastor Mike Connell? Will you talk to Pastor Mike Connell? So I said, okay. Okay, yeah, whatever. I'm done. He's going to be on my team. We're both boys. I called Mike Connell and I said to Leanne, I said, Leanne, I want you to, you throw me under the bus. Just you tell him what's going on. And so Leanne tells him, she's very tearful. And, you know, I thought I'd give her 30 minutes. One hour later, she's still going. I'm like, 
wow, I am jacked up. That husband of yours, he's a... Anyway, and so after an hour, Mike Connell got on. And he said, listen, let, let's, let's pray. He said, let me pray with you. So he starts praying and he says, oh, Jürgen, he says, it's interesting. He says, you don't see it. Because I said to him, Mike, Leanne said to me, like exasperated. She goes, you've been like this for 27 years. For 27 years, I don't think you'll ever change. And I'm telling you, I'm like, babe, like I know I can feel like I crossed a line, but I, I can't see the line. I don't. So I said, Mike, would you help me? So Mike Connell did this. He prayed for me and he said, listen, God just showed me what it was. He says, when you were conceived, you were conceived out of wedlock. I said, yeah, that's right. My mum and dad had to get married because my dad got my mum pregnant. He says, ah, if you ever read in Psalm 139, it says you, you knit me together in the dark. You knit me together in the secret place, in the darkness, in the womb. And he said, when your father got your mother pregnant, he brought dishonor onto her and he brought dishonor onto her parents. And because you were the conception, that dishonor was put on you. You, you were the carrier of the dishonor. But because it happened in the darkness, in the womb, you can't see it. True story. He prays for me. As he's praying for me, I clench my fists and I feel really angry. And I'm like, I want to punch him in the blanking, blanking head. And then I realize this is something else inside of me talking right now. And as he prayed, out, I felt, <sighs> I felt freedom. Don't take my word for it. Like Pastor Mike was saying, like fruit speaks for itself. Ask Leanne. Ask Leanne. She says, oh my gosh, different person. Same husband, same zip code, same height. Maybe a little more weight, but hey. Different husband. You don't have to live with what you walked in. But I'm the senior pastor. If anybody could have scripture, if I can humble myself, you can humble yourself. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.